0: Here we go, episode seven of the Principles of Performance podcast. Uh, My name is Eric Degadi as one of your hosts, along with my partner, Michael Perry, and we are honored to have a very special guest with us today. Uh, If you've been in our industry for any time, I'm sure you know this guy's name, uh, Dr. Charlie Weingroff, one of the most sought-after professionals in, in physical therapy and athletic performance. He's the triple threat. He's a doctor of physical therapy, certified athletic trainer, and a certified strength and conditioning specialist uh works with a lot of big names that that uh, i'm sure you'll know um he's now based in sunny florida you can see the palm trees in the back if you're watching this on youtube he's kind of rubbing it in a little bit on us um and you can see him down in 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 the uh the boca you know fort lauderdale area down there but i know he's a jersey boy at heart and he will make some trips back up here if he has offices in manhattan every once in a while uh, a little bit of history on charlie uh he was the uh, physical performance lead and head strength and conditioning coach for Canadian men's basketball, um, as well as Nike Executive Performance Council, lead PT for uh, the United States Marine uh, Special Operations Command, head strength and conditioning coach for the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA, director of athletic development for the roddick Runberg Tennis Academy. Uh, he's consulted for teams in all Northern American sports, as well as Man U, Manchester City and the English Premier League. And then a lot of us know him through his work and his, his um, accomplishments through his program Training Equals Rehab. And that's going to be a lot of what we talk about today. And so thank you for joining us, Dr. Charlie Weingroff.
1: You got it, guys. Thank you very much for, for having me. It's uh, always flattering to hear other people uh, talk about my stuff because I don't, I don't like doing that very often.
0: <laughs> well, you know, going back, you know, I was trying to figure it out, I think. Charlie, you and I crossed paths at one of the first SFMA courses, going way back uh, at the original Athletes Performance um, out in um, at Arizona State University. And um, you know, back, going back then, you know, much earlier in our careers, you know, me being a, a, on the fitness side of things, and you kind of having your your hand in, in all three realms of athletic training, fitness, and uh, physical therapy. It back then, it wasn't so much a, a given that we all work together and played nice in the sandbox, right? And so this concept that you kind of brought forward of training equals rehab, I always kind of gravitated towards, but it wasn't kind of cool back then, was it? So tell me a little bit about how the acceptance of that concept has changed over the years since you brought it about.
1: Yeah, well, uh, for one, uh, I was not the first to, uh, to use that terminology. Uh, I found out... Somewhat challenging, but uh, once I made it to the list of who did originate it, that put me in rarefied air to be uh, harassed uh, on social media by this individual. So I didn't make it up, and I and I certainly didn't make up the the, the concept. So um, now I I wonder I wonder though sometimes when when it, there's a similar question, you know maybe it was you know something that that was being used more. Uh, but with the advent of how information is shared and the access that uh, of how things are are permitted, meaning we don't know we we have way more windows into basically everything now with social media and how we communicate uh, versus uh, you know, 15 years ago when, when uh, in 2008, which was the first SFMA course publicly. But uh, you know, for 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 me, uh, I am okay if somebody were to say I had a silver spoon in my mouth where. Uh, I walked out of uh, PT school in, into the NBA, uh, and then being in minor leagues, um, you know, in the NBA, uh, I I, uh, I was the assi- uh, assistant athletic trainer uh, to, to for a fellow named Ted Arzonico uh, with the New Jersey Nets. But because I was always in the weight room when things were not being met, I wasn't needed, um, just to to lift myself, uh, I met Rich Galatry, who uh, is a name that uh, is. You know, is in the same clique of of some people like Rob Panarello and Al Miller uh, and, and Johnny Parker, uh, all that, that New York group. Obviously, Albert Neal would be in that group as well. But uh, people don't seem to talk about him very, very much. So I, I got a very, very early dose of um, of understanding uh, concepts, a strange conditioning. And then in the, in the minor leagues, you're the you're the, you know if you're the head athletic trainer, doesn't really matter if you're a physical therapist or not. But you are, you're also the strength coach, you're the equipment manager, you're the travel coordinator, you're the team mother. So again, I always knew <clears throat> how to lift weights. Uh, I, um, I probably hadn't hit my stride as a competitive power lifter at that point, but I always knew how to lift weights, and I probably looked like I knew how to handle weights, and that's actually. Um, how I think I got to the, the head strength coach at uh, 76ers. <laughs> because again, I, w- I was there as as an assistant athletic trainer and um, we didn't have a strength coach. So that would have been 2003. So uh, the players would, uh, hey, Chuck Wagon, come here, put me through one. And I, I knew how to lift weights, uh, but I didn't really have a, a keen thoughts other than what I learned from the lottery about athletic development. And uh, so so to me, it was kind of always... This thing that it just made sense to me because also as a powerlifter, you know, you kind of realize that you never really feel good, but you might not be injured, and you're certainly not injured enough to not train or or even compete. Uh, it just it just clicked to me that uh, additionally, like if your foot hurt, well, a squat a squat is a lower body exercise. It's your it's your leg exercise. Not really, you know, not too many people think about like your foot. You know, it, it's not a there's no isotonics at the foot a lot of those things really just click to me. Um, and no, I guess, I guess you wouldn't see it, but I mean, it really depends in, in, in all the different places that I'm privileged to, to look into and I got to make sure I talk slowly here so I don't say anything I shouldn't say, but it's, it's still not not uh, at, at the levels that people would think it is, uh, a very common thought process. Uh, it's not in, it's, uh, in elite sport, it's, uh, you know, I think there's probably a lot of people that say that they're not in silos, but but they are because um, it's just a fashionable thing to say. and uh, there's no there's no expo- there's no exposure of what they're doing for other people to decide or not, uh, if they can learn from that. but um, I, I've been flattered, uh, not only obviously by your guys shooting off my resume, but some people that are probably a lot older than all of us and people that have seemingly accomplished a lot of things, um they would say things like you you change the the profession Uh, i'm reticent to accept that accolade um so so obviously it has had an impact but um i've also gotten to a point too i'm not really worried about what other people do i just explain what i do but it's um it it, it's hard to say um you know it's 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 just very sometimes i'm sure we have enough time (laughs) But it's it's not it's no it's not an elevator pitch anymore. It's not like um it's there's so much that goes on in my head that try because it's 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 not even about what we do as professionals. It's more about people working together. Uh, It's more about uh, earning thirty percent of a whole lot is way better than a hundred percent of a little. Uh, It's about there's no way any one individual can do everything. Uh, It's about like what a person deserves. Uh, and then there's a, obviously a significant amount of science and neurology and physiology that no, uh, whatever a great individual does can always be amplified by what someone else does. So um, yeah, that's it, it's uh, it's hard it's hard to say really if, if, are, if are other people doing that. I'll just say I don't know too many people that really think uh, with the peripheral vision that I think. Yeah, and,
0: and and in my limited experience uh of working with you know professional organizations i saw a lot of the same things where i was, I was shocked when you looked under the rug and saw that it, it wasn't being done and as much as they said on the surface level that this seems to rationally make sense that um they're not actually executing it. and so like obviously there's ego involved there's there's people threatened of, of their jobs but like where do you see this still the biggest pushback in 2022 um other than you know the the fear of, of being exposed, like what's the pushback to to not integrating and getting out of our silos
1: in uh, in pro sport uh, I, I think it's because those jobs are so glorified, whether it's the glory of and being recognized and working at that level or in many cases what you get paid, uh, folks just don't care um, they they're their standard for their workplace is just different than what I'm suggesting. That doesn't make them a bad person. It just means they have lower standards. Meaning, uh, uh, uh you'll hear things. Oh, we're getting better. I'm like, okay, that that's a that means you're you suck. Um, you know the, what? Uh, oh, but they're like, you know, people get judged by like saying, oh, they're a really nice guy. Uh, or no, no, we get along and we have meetings. Yeah, that that just means you have meetings. Like, I'm not talking about like not hating somebody, even though that's obviously at at, at some levels. But that's just a poorly uh, executed business model. Um, in in the in uh in the real world, uh, I think there's still uh, obviously a very significant thought process that the doctor uh, or the, the medical you know professor, you know, the highest level is is not the highest level. That's it, but, but the doctor is in charge, which is ridiculous. Um, the uh, to, to think that like after a surgeon does surgery, like their value has now dropped from hundred percent, like the most important uh, component of the team while the surgery is happening, to one of the least important. Um, to also think that that uh, any one individual knows enough about what everybody else does. But then the public or the individuals in in, in the in the situation may have a perception of hierarchy that somehow a physical therapist knows uh, that uh, uh, how how uh, you know how what if when uh, for certain exercises when that's just ludicrous. Like why don't I I don't I don't even know how to communicate that because I'm sure we've all dealt with people in all sides because it can go the other way too. Uh, And I'm sure I'm at fault for that along with others. But, um, you know, that where you have non-medical professionals that are judging and questioning and then doing a lot, because even though my, my courses and the things that I've talked have never crossed any boundaries that I, that I'd be uncomfortable with, there are plenty of seminars you can take to become a bad physical therapist in two days. So whether it's the glory or the money, which are always you know, going to be stratified across different spaces, it's, uh... Whether people do understand it, but they may just keep it to themselves. They miss the part that you can't be good at everything. Uh, and, but uh, you know, it's, it's 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 very easy to misinterpret things. I I I, I do feel significant onus uh, that 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 I somehow gave people permission uh, to do things, and it goes it goes a lot of different directions. It's not just medical people getting into training. Uh, but it's also training getting into medical. They, the whole idea of T equals R was like from a scientific, you know, pr- approach and specific adaptation to imposed demand and uh, division of labor. So um people don't care. They just want to do what they want to do, and that's okay. That doesn't make them a bad person. We're just talking and, and you know, we're in a barbershop right now. I think I think what I run into is when I say that. I wish I was.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs>
1: But you guys, you know what I mean. It's like sometimes, like in, in our profession, um, what I—that's why I'm caveating what I'm saying because I, we're talking about people we don't even know, and uh, and but yeah, oh, like he's an asshole because he says X, Y, Z. Like, dude, I have an opinion. I was asked a question. I gave an opinion. Since when does every? Since when do opinions matter? Well, because it's me, maybe I talk louder than others, so my opinion matters more now. It's uh, it, it's um, you know, it's weird that um. But uh, I don't think people are bad people. They just do what they want to do, and that's what works for them. And if they can uh, – <laughs> there's dudes that last 30, 40 years in pro sport uh, doing some really odd things. So it's, uh, it's how it goes. So, Charlie, question
2: for you. So a hypothetical question, and maybe, maybe it isn't a hypothetical question. Maybe this has happened, but let's say you have the opportunity. You're working with a pro team. You could build the medical team and the strength and conditioning team. What would that look like to you?
1: There is no, uh, there is no medical team or strength conditioning team, uh, and it's not hypothetical. We did this in Canada basketball. We had one staff. Obviously, uh, that staff was comprised of individuals. That uh, actually, there's there's six. Um, uh, this is now there can be overlap: medical, fitness, sleep, nutrition, psychology, and load management. So that doesn't mean you need six people, but you probably can't have two. So, um, and then when you apply a system. Of uh, uh, we have, and this is you know, I have these presentations, and because uh, I do, I do get opportunities, and I do feel like sometimes I don't uh, get to follow through on the opportunity because uh, there's a significant realization of what is needed and what is what needs to be resourced to execute this plan uh, in Canada basketball. Uh, we did that where when you, the, the system calls upon the individual, we're just people that know how to do things. And if you have a system that understands those six, and maybe like seven, or maybe it's four, or you want to call them different things, that's totally cool. But there is no medical staff. If there's an injury, then someone who has those skills moves forward and addresses it. Um, and, but at the same time, all six, and this comes from a little bit of experience uh, from when I had to visualize things uh, working in Marine Corps. Uh, imagine if if all six of your weapons were always targeted at the same uh, thing, so we we would always choose tests that every individual can impact. Uh, for instance, here you guys name name a physical quality that that can be anything. Just, just name it. It doesn't matter what it is. Strength. Okay. So so uh, medical medical people, uh, even if there's no pain, can apply techniques that can uh, be you know uh, leveraged. Uh, to improve strength. So your pro- neurological techniques that sometimes get people out of pain, but can also make you uh, stronger in a very, very uh, temporary phase. Obviously, fitness has something to do with that. You cannot exhibit strength if you do not uh, have proper nutrition. Uh, clearly, if you don't sleep well, your strength will not be maximized. Every- everyone can be affected positively by psychology. And if you play four games in five nights, you're probably not going to be able to demonstrate strength. So, uh, we, we would take that approach. So then Mike, to answer your, to the next part of your question, if somebody doesn't believe that, then that's, that's not how we build out the, the team.
2: Love it.
0: Love that's it. awesome yeah. stuff. And so, so Charlie, one of the things I've always found in the, the elegance of your work and seeing the evolution over the years is how many different, um, uh, disciplines that you'll take from and utilize, and and whether it's ranging from HRV to to aerobic conditioning to strength methods and so forth. So we talk about in our course, it's it's a principles bias course, So we don't really care at the end of the day what you do, whether it's kettlebell training or, or, or kinesio taping, but have some principles and, and some questions that you can answer. So when you go and see the next thing, whatever that is, and usually that next thing was probably something that was here 50 to 100 years ago, right? What's kind of your vetting process to say this has value to add to my system um in terms of uh, and then that the fact that you keep saying system I love and then what makes you kind of make the decision that that's the tool we're going to reach for today
1: so so most of the time anything can can fit in this model uh, provided it actually legitimately creates an adaptation um I think there's a lot of things that create a change. And I'm curious your guys' opinion. Um, if, if I rub your shoulder, it moves more. It's not an adaptation, but it did move more. Uh, we don't expect that to last very long. Um, I'm hesitant to call that an adjustment because then it gets confused with uh, a chiropractic technique. But basically, as long as it legitimately creates an adjustment or an adaptation, it can fit somewhere uh, in the, in, the, in the system. More, more, more specifically, um, because I had to do this in Canada basketball. Because unlike other elite sport, uh, we're judged by people that understand neurology and physiology. It's not a GM. It's not somebody who's a former player who really just judges if you're a nice person. We 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 found that the common targets of of all of our tests uh, would be acidosis and hypoxia. So, Eric, your question is, how do you vet something? Well, what would it do? Uh, to minimize or help neutralize acute or chronic acidosis, uh, and what and and how would and how would it fit into uh, hypoxic or glycolytic environments? So again, if it does something, it might be very very far from that, or it might be very very similar. So um, that that's uh, and then and then the those things that would be targeting all live in in, non, in another four categories. If you notice, like I keep moving my hands because this is a slide that on the bottom has the six and on the side has the tests, uh, is movement, output, readiness, and sensory systems. So when we talk about this in you know, other situations, you can pick. You pick whatever movement examination you want, do it. Uh, I don't even talk about the ones that we use in Canada because if somebody had a, a predisposed opinion on, on a commercial model that we would use, well, then you lost them. Then, then they're not going to listen to you anymore. So you just pick anything that, that, that looks at movement, uh, output, readiness, and sensory systems. Movement, very simply, you can get in the right position to sort of adapt to stress. Output is who you are in your best day. Readiness is who you are today. Uh, and sensory systems uh, is a little bit more unique, focusing on the eyes, because anytime we see something, that begins the process uh, in order to react to it. So... Um, does it does it fit anywhere into those big global terms? Uh, almost anything can. the The issue would be then, does it does it actually fit in, in its spirit, in its science? Yes, but does it actually create an adaptation? Um, and then they recognize that it has to live with everything else. Um So many people have really, really good techniques, and they just want it to solve everything. So then they'll use an evaluation model that I flippantly say comes in the Cracker Jack box. If the evaluation comes inside the Cracker Jack box, it's only going to take you to Cracker Jack. So you can't use that evaluation because I need all my team members to feel good enough that whatever they like doing has a role. But if I use an evaluation that lives with a commercial model and has exercises or manual therapy attached to it, you're only going to do that manual therapy or that exercise, and that's that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. Um, you, you, that, that means you're saying that your model does everything. Well, that's that's obviously foolish. You can't. Not, it's impossible to achieve everything in movement output readiness and sensory systems. So that's part of the vetting process. We. It's not even a vetting process. It's just a positioning. It's like where. Okay. Uh, tell me what you think it does, I'll decide what it does in, in utility. And tell me how to do it. That's it. Every I don't need anything else. You just tell me, tell me, give me, give me your stuff, and then I'll I'll place it into this. And it might, unfortunately, uh, if it's different than the person that's teaching it or selling it, they get mad. They get real mad about that. But that's okay. I paid full price for their for their information, and uh, I'll, I'll use it how I see fit.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to pick up kind of with the evaluation piece, and something that that Mike and I have found kind of really eye opening when we started teaching our stuff is. We would ask the ask the people in the crowd, and these are these are you know pretty well accomplished athletic trainers, personal trainers, physical therapists, and say, okay, what are your non negotiables? Meaning, like, what do you really need to know about a individual before you can proceed forward? Like, what are the, those things? And and most people kind of put their chin in their chest and didn't have an answer for that. It wasn't like if you're going to walk into my facility, like you just gave us, you're going to have something that looks at these four buckets. And if I don't have that information, I don't know if I can give you a program. So um, shifting gears out of kind of the more professional realm into like what we see at the, you know, at the, at the public sector, like where do we change that mindset of and, and what's kind of your approach to the, to the trainer out in the field, the physical therapist in the field to say establishing a, a set of non-negotiables that I need this information or is, I'm just guessing, I'm just throwing shit against the wall
1: yeah the the um, I mean, I'm not sure it finishes with, but it's a big start uh, is can joints get into the right positions to absorb adapt to stress? Because everything that we're doing eventually speaks to a movement with a particular set of parameters. So even maybe before can joints get in those positions for the movement that you're talking about, what movement? Like what are we doing? Like what are we training for? Um, or what? What is the goals of the of the individual? That's non negotiable. You have to tell me what you want. Like this is a we're we're in the direct customer um, service model. Like you have to deliver what somebody uh, is asking for. If they're like, oh, "How can I help you?" Oh, I, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, all right. I'll, I'll wait over here. You let me know when when you know what you want. Because um, at the very very basic level, at the, in the general population. You don't need movement, output, readiness, and sensory system. You don't but in a system, you need everything and then you strip it back. you're still running the system. Uh, but if you want them to move, uh, how do they move? and And now you can take a whatever uh, evaluation model for can joints get in the right positions, you then bucket those those joints, every joint in the body into different categories to then choose exercises that either exploit the joints that move well enough for fitness uh or do they need more special exercises uh because you think they do need to do those things for instance um hips do not need to flex to any particular level um to be a a human being Um, however if you want to run or squat they need to flex to a certain point well if the person doesn't want to squat or run then they were going to walk. Well, you're a little bit handcuffed, but you can have them walk up hills and up treadmills. You can put a weight vest on them. You can put heavy hands on them and carry things. And maybe their hip doesn't need to do to that. Now, there's probably a, a long-term consequence to that. And now you've just built out like a, an ROI, like a, a business model for how you're going to help this person. So um, if there is a specific goal, that the individual wants to do well, then you need to know where they're at, so you can best um, parse other models into this. Where uh, if you don't know anything about their uh, fitness, you know their cardiovascular uh, uh, conditioning, well, then how do you know where to start? Well, at least in that, at least if you choose exercises that do not um, lend to the assumption of a medical problem, meaning. You're only going to do movements that don't hurt. You can now, I think, you can you can guess a little bit, and you'll just be behind. At least you're not going to harm the individual. Meaning, you start at the beginning. Meaning, you don't put them into uh, a maximal uh, cardiovascular effort right away. You start really, really slow, really, really basic, and then if they defeat that and they're not challenged, then you move on. Um, but uh, but but, how do I know which exercises to to use? That's where the non-negotiable is in terms of. Uh, in terms of using uh, a model that tells you, can joints get in the right positions to absorb adaptive stress? They can be painful, they can be stiff, they can have uh, a unique motor presentation where the joint doesn't perform variably. Uh, And I'm obviously using fancy words just to say, pain, mobility, stability, and fitness. So um, now what exercises do you have that where the joint is gonna respond reliably to some form of load, whether it's force velocity, Work capacity, strength, speed, all these different qualities. At least you're not gonna hurt the person uh, if you train them uh, with with a, uh, a technical approach. because like that's what like my thing is like you're allowed to decide. Like like if somebody can't like reach past here, I'm sure if you put something heavy in their hand and they just do a half press, something good is gonna happen. Right? like something something valuable will happen. Yeah, down the road you probably are. are you, know, you you should expect to have an accelerated degenerative process, but you still might have a big arm. You know like that, that, that that I think we missed that. Like we 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 put uh, our system um, that we developed in ten years in Canada basketball, uh, obviously has decision makers, so we would not do such a thing uh, without you know managing the shoulder. But it, it's there. There are good things that can happen um, with other interpretations of that function. So here's a question and and
0: we throw this out and and nobody necessarily has the the, the right answer but that you, if you have that person who comes in and says all i care about is having a big car. All i care about is looking good in a t-shirt. What level of personal responsibility do we have to to make sure that they can scratch their head in 20 years, right? And that in doing that diligence to say that that may be a non-negotiable that look on my watch, we're going to do this. We're going to do it to where we're not sacrificing anything or even to the extent that we owe them some level of baseline physical competency. You know, the expression is is if you work out all the time with me and you still can't help me move a couch, your program probably sucks. Right.
1: No, that's a, that's a powerful question Eric, Um, because, because it's one of morals and ethics. It's, It's not about science and, and, uh, uh, physiology and neurology anymore. Um, I I think, I think the non-negotiable there is to, you have to explain it to them. That's number one, meaning like, okay, if we do this, uh, I know how to do it and and we can achieve what you want. However, my opinion is very strong that you're going to be paying for, with other things other than your hard work and our business exchange. Um, I, I could see also, uh, starting with somebody to do all that, and then being like, "Look, man, you know th- this isn't this isn't working," um, and that's always uh, 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 available and a very very difficult difficult thing to do as our as our most uh, moral and ethical dilemmas. Absolutely.
0: So you brought up cardiovascular and aerobic conditioning, and I know that's it's not only become more in vogue uh as of late but i know that you've concentrated a lot of your your recent work and done some great stuff with that um talk to me about not only the impact that has on fitness and performance but how that that enters the, the the rehabilitation world and how it all ties together
1: um well let's uh there's probably a lot of directions to go with this and uh but when, when we talk about the word aerobic i think the first word that should come to mind is oxygen so, um, there, aerobic training is actually a terminology I, I don't use uh, because I think it can mean a lot of things. And we should also know that no matter what the intensity is of an exercise, the aerobic pathways, uh, the requirement of oxygen is always involved. It's not a. It's not like uh, you know the, the, you're still using different. You're still using some level of aerobic uh, qualities when creatine rebinds to phosphate, you know, which is one, one maximal rep. You're still need oxygen, uh, to do two. So, um, but, but, um, obviously, uh, as I mentioned, everything in our, in my bias funnels towards hypoxia and acidosis, excuse me. And the reason would be that, uh, for any given, uh, biomotor, you know, big fancy word for any given physical task, um, the 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 longer you can remain using um, energy systems that predominantly use oxygen, you will stave off the accumulation of acidosis, which has a whole bunch of other fancy words to describe that. That that's very, very important. Um, that's why, that's why there's some people that, you know, maybe me being one of them, uh, puts extremely high value, whether it's for health or, or for fitness. So the, uh, maybe somebody would suggest that what, whatever, whatever somebody would suggest is the hardest um, glycolytic type activity like grappling and MMA, uh, uh, construction workers, uh, movers, a lot of these physical tasks. The limiting factor is not how strong uh, or, or how explosive they are because they do it for such a long period of time. The aerobic system is the limiting factor. Uh, to lasting 10 rounds in a in a boxing fight. Um that's you know for someone that does that's like that's what that, that's really weird. Please just just don't don't reject it because it's a hundred percent fact. It's not it's not it's non-negotiable. Um but then how that relates to the to, to rehab is 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 two ways. One, if tissue is healing, so so the body is already uh broken, then uh having a better uh, opportunity to utilize oxygen, in theory, will make something heal faster. Additionally, uh, engaging in aerobic activity, uh, utilizing oxygen while you are injured, has other impacts on other systems of the body that directly affect healing. The the big one is in the middle, because uh, if if you are constantly uh, training and not relying on oxygen uh, as much as other people, uh, so your body has to pay to, uh, a higher price for those energy systems. So I hope you're lifting really, really heavy weight and jumping really, really high and throwing ropes as hard as you can. Unfortunately, a lot of people are not. Uh, they're doing basic middle, m- medium-level work, but paying a very, very high price for that. And one of the prices that you pay is muscles uh, will start to um, contract uh, without your without your um, voluntary control, it's not um, it's not necessarily a spasm, but it could be. Uh, but the word that most people uh, will suggest is that it increases tone, and this goes back to what Yanda uh, you know tried to teach us in, in the '60s uh, when none of us were alive yet. But uh, um, it, it's actually quite true that under certain conditions, certain muscles become more apt to have this resting tone. Now, I don't use the word tone because uh, it can be confused with other things that are very, very positive. All of us would slump into be a, 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 an ooze if we didn't have any tone. So I try not to use words that gives anybody a chance to come at me. So the, the, the actual terminology that's used in the literature, instead of tone the way we're describing here as a byproduct of acidosis, uh, is spontaneous electrical activity. That means muscles are contracting spontaneously. Uh, this is this is very easy to, to confirm in the literature, where, for instance, uh, if you do an EMG of somebody's trap and the EMG reads X, uh, and then you put a needle in it and then take it out, uh, like therapeutic uh, dry needling, uh, and then take the needle out and, and re-EMG the trap, uh, the EMG is diminished. So you decreased spontaneous electrical activity. And clearly there are muscles that are more apt um, because those are the ones that would typically um, be very, very useful for you when engaging in physical activities like your traps and um, you know your pecs and, and all the muscles that you would use to fight or run. So now, if you're constantly uh, dealing with spontaneous electrical activity, muscles are contracting. That is a metabolic process that you must pay for. Uh, and if it is already being precipitated by... Uh, acidotic or high threshold environments, you're now increasing uh, acidosis and tumbling that process. So now, all of a sudden, now somebody grabs your shoulder and it's like, it's this incredibly uh, uncomfortable uh, sensation because now those those contractile elements, muscles, have now uh, undergone different levels of uh, hypoxia. Um, So acidosis comes first, hypoxia comes second. Why is that important for rehab? Increased partial pressure of of oxygen stimulates the brain uh, to uh, lay down something called alpha pro-1 collagen, which is very easy to call scar tissue. Scar tissue is not your problem. Oh, yeah, we're breaking up scar tissue. That's complete foolishness. If you're breaking up tissue because it's being aligned in a spontaneous fashion, that's the difference. So if, if, if uh, like you keep your friends close, your enemies closer, hypoxia, while you're moving through mobility training, meaning you use the pneumomuscular reflex uh, and create high levels of tension in a direction that you want it to go, now you can realign collagen tubules in the direction of your movement. That's very, very good. But if it's spontaneous and you don't even know it's happening, this is how tissue injuries can be contributed to. By having very very poor aerobic fitness, you get into these spontaneous muscle, uh, spontaneous electrical activity environments much quicker. You don't even know it's happening, uh, and then all of a sudden a muscle tears because the alignment of the collagen is not consistent with your activity. So it's it's, it's obviously you know a life sustaining thing. It's obviously got well, I think it's obvious uh, a contribution to healing uh, after something has already broken. But the big thing is that middle ground. Uh, and maybe that's an example of treating equals rehab. The equals is this appreciation that if you are terribly unfit, you will increase the the turnover of collagen in a spontaneous fashion. That's bad. That's really really bad. Um, I I don't know many people that talk about that in a in the in the sphere and scope of uh, minimizing uh, uh, muscle injuries. That that's a big thing. So just be fit. Be fit. I'd rather you be fit than move like a gymnast, because I don't have to have you move like a gymnast. I I need you to be fit. That that's uh um that that's a uh that that's where the aerobic piece I think fits in all the different categories.
2: Mike, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah. um, you know, one of the things that uh, is is a theme that I've noticed by reading your work early on. So when I was this is like earlier when I when I wasn't actually working with FMS, I would read a lot of your your work on FMS and the way that you were able to break things down. I was actually able to learn more about the FMS stuff by reading your post on Rotary Stability because you have this way of explaining it in a, in a simple fashion, which means you truly understand it, um, number one. But it seems like you have this, uh, you know, like the, sort of this systematic approach for when you're, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like when you dive into a topic, you dive into a topic. Like, it seems like you don't (laughs) like that. You don't stop until you know every damn thing about it. And no, it's beautiful because like, um, you know, I kind of think in a similar fashion, but I've noticed these trends that and you, you go on a topic and you don't go surface level. It's like it's almost like I don't want to use the word obsession, but you just go and go until it seems like, you know, every damn thing about it is that how you're wound Mm. or is it, Uh, or is that, I I mean, I think, uh, I think
1: so, but, uh, I don't know. (laughs) I I don't, I don't really think of how I'm wound. Uh, I'll go back to the FMS piece because I do think that's, that should be interesting for, for the people listening. Um, but, but when it comes, this is something I found Mike, where, because, uh, I I guess at some level you flip a coin and I'm reading something that is written by somebody that is medical or non-medical. OK, so so even if it's nutrition or other things um, that so there's a perspective there and and I'm a firm believer that solutions uh, for very, very big problems are easy to other people, meaning that we, it might be like the most impossible thing to me. And then if you ask somebody who doesn't think like you uh, and also doesn't care about what you care about, they're like, oh, yeah, just go left. They're like oh my god, that's so, that's so right, but but they they don't they don't work with people. They they might sit in a bank and count and, and type all day. So I have an opportunity, and I, some of the most important things, such as uh, the cats. The, Part of the cascade of of hypoxia and acidosis, I learned from people that didn't want me to know it. Not because they had a secret. There's enough of that in in our in, uh, in continuing education where people keep secrets. But ultimately, I learned. I, I was able to put things together from people that didn't know everything, but they're oh my god, like wait a minute, say that again. Hold on, holy shit, like and then and then that was that made sense to something that had nothing to do with it. Uh, um, for instance um, in, in, uh, fascial manipulation, uh, which is, uh, an Italian model of manual therapy that blends Eastern and Western models. They have points, they have areas that you're supposed to do cross friction to. Um, and the, the gentleman that, uh, invented it, uh, or founded it, whatever the proper term is, his name is Luigi Stecco. Um, and, and his children are also part of this model and they're they're both mds but they don't research the efficacy of the model okay Uh, because that's important to know oh it's the guy's kids of course he's going to research it in his favor They they don't they don't they don't they don't they don't um they're not their research doesn't say whether this model works or not to solve someone's pain what it what they research is what is unique about these points so if you say it works uh, and obviously something happened that's very, very desirable. Let's look at these points. And they found basically that any point that was a major money move uh, had local area of of acidosis. So like, okay, well, that's really interesting. Maybe, maybe if we trained to minimize acidosis, these points wouldn't have happened and, and we wouldn't have needed this powerful manual therapy to change. Now, there's very little exercise in their model. You treat once a week. It's, because it's kind of it's got a rolfing kind of tinge to it. Now, I think that's a mistake. I don't think any tissue will remain the way it is without active exercise. So that there's an example. Like they had no they were just telling me what they thought. But now I take that to be like, okay, because if you follow models of of eastern type, eastern block training uh, anti-glycolytic models are, are very well used and, and, and researched. Like, oh, so, so if I train that way, I won't need this super powerful rehab tool because those points have acidosis. So if I stay as far away from acidosis as possible, so, uh, obviously, um, if I'm wound a certain way to continue to search and, and like find these things, but I didn't know what I was looking for. Uh, that's, that's what's, that's, what's kind of, that's, what's kind of cool. Um, but, uh, so I I think, I, I I don't know if that's the right answer, but I think that's what I think. But when it, when it, when it comes to the FMS, even though, um, I don't nearly teach the the formal courses as much as you, um, as much as you guys remember, I'm, I'm writing it from my perspective and my perspective is, is it doesn't, it it is, it's actually, you know, way before there was any courses in like 2003 and 2004 um this was these things were like normal like these were how it was explained and and you know when you have dinner with somebody that it's how it is how it explains uh whereas um sometimes when you're when you have a business and a, and a and a commercial model the it has to be reproducible it has to be every, like so when when I do when I haven't done one in a long time but if I do teach uh, a level 1 I have to, I, I, I and it is the right way to do it for that we all teach it the exact same way because it represents a model but if I'm going to explain it on my own Well, then I can explain it any way I want because it doesn't need to be reproducible and I don't need to represent um, someone else's uh, approach. So um, I'm glad that my FMS writings help help you understand it because it probably should. But there's a reason that everybody has their own way of doing it. But then there's one way to do it that is the the way of the the commercial model. Well, I think you helped a
2: lot of people understand that. Uh, Probably had a bigger impact than you probably ever thought because... For me, it was just it helped me understand how to, you know, utilize the system better.
1: So cool. cool, yeah, that's uh, that's good. But I get that a lot. Like, well, how come how come they didn't explain it like that in the course? I'm like, because I'm teaching it how I feel like teaching it. If I taught you the (laughs) formal course. Yeah. And it's it's uh, yeah. And and look, it's it's um, I want to make sure that this isn't condescending. But at some point, you need to learn the kindergarten way. Then you need to learn the high school way. And then you need to learn the Ph.D. way. Uh, and, 100%. and, and then uh, depending when any one individual got exposed to, to that particular model, you know, bef- before 2000, whatever, there was no, there was no courses, there was no certification, you had a bunch of grainy VHS tapes, uh, you had stick figures, you, you had a Reebok core board, um, the the you, you had no choice, but to integrate it and interpret it your own way, because there wasn't a brand uh, that kept it in this reproducible fashion and even within the era of, of, of functional movement systems being uh, obviously a, a significantly viable brand, it's changed you know over time and it's probably uh, been, been made less complex as the years gone on. Certain categories uh, that may have been one or two became one. Um, so it's well so, so it's very very important to keep up um and 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 take courses over again or at least and I think that's why like once you're certified you you have access to whatever's on the website. And then all of a sudden every once in a while you'll get a website. Hey, we have an all new, you know, level two model. And if you're level two certified, you get access to it. You get to learn uh new new ways and new things and maybe new standards. And I think that's that's uh it's it's okay. Like anybody can say whatever they want, but I'm not certifying people in fms doing it my way if i teach it i have i will teach it i'm happy to teach it in the way it's supposed to be done
2: i uh you know i think the the one thing about just your work in general your body of work is you take complicated stuff and you you make it easily uh, more easy to digest um and that that was the one thing that i noticed i was just like it just i get it now and and uh i think we need more of that in the industry
1: yeah man That's. uh um i i don't i don't look at it sometimes and i just say what i say and do what i do and there was a point that i never even wanted to be online and there's a lot of times i don't really want to be online um <laughs> because it. yeah. it's uh but because um, i i never i never thought that i would be able to be consistent with providing something that somebody would want i'm very glad that uh and i can't unfortunately i cannot relinquish it because it allows a lifestyle um and uh, and, uh uh, a stroke of my ego. That's uh, that's that's very favorable. So <laughs> so
0: as we all kind of evolve, you know, professionally and personally, um, you know, not only do we change the lens in which we see things, but there are certain things that that, that change in terms of the information that we know now versus twenty years ago. Um, is there anything that stands out in your mind that, hey, you know, I've really changed my stance or thought process? on and, and not a, not necessarily a particular brand but in terms of a, a category or a, a or an element that you might have had a blind spot to or you might have been really into and now you really may not see the value to is there anything in particular that stands out that like if you looked at a charlie session 10 15 years ago that you would said you know i i, I wouldn't do that the, that way anymore
1: yeah there's got to be a ton of things there uh, um, obviously the the uh what is what is Boyle calling here? Um, some something about the uh, orthopedic value or
2: or uh, orthopedic cost of orthopedic
1: form. cost. Yeah, which yeah, is funny yeah. because we have something
0: called structural cost that I used to was talking about. You know, in in, in congr- I was talking about that two years ago when we started putting together this course. Yeah, so yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: No, it's it's um, Mike Boyle is is uh, never wrong. Uh, I, I don't disagree with anything he says. I may have other um, co- uh, other models that complement and make the message a little bit more global, less linear. Um, but I don't disagree with anything he says. and and, and so so this whole idea, um, I think is a lot of people know, um, you know i didn't I didn't suck as a competitive powerlifter. and uh, um, there was a point that um, you know, squat and deadlift particularly was it was just an enormous part of of what i did now at that time i was seeing people a lot more regularly meaning it was it was a very short period of time about two and a half years where i actually worked in the real world so i and i had like a nine to five so um i would see people two three sometimes uh um three times a week so we had opportunities to to get really really heavy over time uh especially people that had lower body surgeries um, you know, right now I, I think that she is the, uh, I think she's ranked number four, uh, in her weight class. Um, her name is Kate Cohen. And I think I started working with her when, when she was 12 and it was a point that she was deadlifting, you know, two wheels, sumo, um, probably two months, you know, ACL. Um, I would not do that today. Not, not because it's, it's like, there's, there was nothing scientifically bad about it. It's just dumb. It was just stupid, especially. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, I like that. We're going to have to, that's the, that's the perfect line. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it, and it's, it's whatever Boyle is saying, like the risk reward is just dumb. And, and I have to believe that I was suffering from my own emotional biases because that was something that I enjoyed doing and I knew, I knew it. For, and look, the, 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 uh, an ACL, uh, uh, compromised me. And, and obviously after surgery it's not compromised anymore. But uh, it is, it's at its most stable in the closed chain. So I'm like, what's wrong with this? Her form looks good. It's not like she's leaning one way or the other, blah, blah, blah. So, um, so, so there's a lot of exercises um, that, that I would not use with people that I used to use quite a bit. That's just one little story. That, uh, but, but at the same time, I can remember about four or five young ladies, um, and I would put them in some of the most proudest, um, situations that I've been into uh, as a professional, because they, they either had ACL or or some kind of lower body injury that are very very common in, in young girls at that age, and they all were monsters, um, and, and and they all still looked you know very very feminine, and, and the way their parents would communicate because these girls got a chance to learn you know what what it was like to be in a weight room, um, and then you know if they started at four and then the boys came at four thirty they were literally stronger in the big lifts, uh, than, than the boys. Um, and, and for them to be able to, to gain all of the things that we think young women should be exposed to. Um, that, so maybe I would not have achieved that if I didn't have them, um, squatting and, and, and pulling two wheels, you know, at God, you know, whatever 105 pounds or whatever these little girls were. Um, but, uh, I remember I forget her name. Um, uh, but, and I can say Kate Cohen's name cause I was at the wedding, but, uh, um, she was, she was a field hockey player and I think she was still in high school and then she was going to Brown. Um, and, and she was, she could do rear foot elevated split squats with 55 pounds in each hand. Okay. This is not like a division one shot putter. I mean, this is a tiny little girl, uh, that had to run around for field hockey. And, and it was just the, uh, the coolest thing to, to see back then. Um, additionally, I think I probably would have thought train slow, be slow. That's absurd. Um, as we talked about in aerobic, it, it's not, it, it's, it, it, train, think about like a, a marathon runner that, you know, they're, they're still running like for two and a half, three hours. They're running like 10, like, they're not, it's not slow. So um, to do, to do long distance, as long as it's maintained at a particular pace uh, is obligatory uh, for, for most people. So train slow, be slow. Um, and then maybe, maybe something that maybe people would find interesting the, the um, the value or the obligatory nature of, I don't call them corrective exercises, but that's what many people would call them, uh, special exercises for movement. Um, I, I don't, I don't think they're as necessary as I once to Like, Oh my God, like your FMS is a one, two, we have to do this, this, and this. When, in fact, it's just a risk-reward, uh, and if that individual can touch the toes and look good deadlifting, uh, I wrestle with that. I'm sure you guys have, have an opinion as well. Um, do you have to go backwards? Because if they look good in what they're doing and everything is measuring out, particularly from a readiness level, uh, meaning you're paying the correct price for what your training is, is doing, do I really need to go back and, and correct something that maybe really isn't wrong? So a big thing, uh, corrective exercise is not a term that I use, um, but I would have I, I would have championed it a lot more several years ago. We still use them, but I call them special exercises for movement, but not nearly as much as we used to. Yeah,
0: we just call it good training now, Charlie. We 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 yeah. we, we dump that and as choice. well. We we had a, we had a whole uh, episode we did on why we hate corrective exercise in terms of how it's perceived now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I got a question for you, and I'm gonna steal this from from another podcast I heard, John, and it, it goes back to our kind of personal and professional development. Is you have the system use where you, you kind of go with three different books. Um, and and uh, for the people who didn't get to hear that, I'd love to have you share that in terms of how you kind of choose your your reading materials. Cause I've I've kind oh, of stolen oh. that myself. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like
1: I'm like, oh shit, like what books is he talking about? <laughs> um, so at, at any at any given moment. Um, and I don't know what it is, whether my eyes are not good at converging or diverging or whatever. It's very hard for me to read like for a long time. So um, I, I'll change the books that I'm reading. Like if I'm going to read on a plane, I can't sit there and read for two, two, three hours. So I then put that down and then pick up something else to read. So there's always three, at least three that are in rotation. There's one for me, there's one for you, and there's one so we can escape us both. So the one for me is something that would typically fit into self-help, uh, maybe more recently, um, not necessarily self-help, but rather learning about something new, like mechanics, which I'm not into, but uh, that it would be some some something that's very unprofessional, something not related to, 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 <laughs> to what I do professionally. The one for you is uh, something about training or rehab and nutrition, because if I know it, then I can serve you. And then to escape us both is a is a comic book, so um, it's it's actually really interesting as to how um, art artistic people that write and, and write movies. It's like oh my god, this is such real life. Like this is uh, even though it's drawn like a cartoon and people have uh, power rings and can fly, uh, the, the 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 things that the problems that they're dealing with and the solutions that they're trying to find uh, has significant parallels to to the real world. Do you have any currently in your bag that you would recommend? So what do I have right now? Let me see. So um, I, I, I'm i actually reading it twice because it took me so long. But uh, a friend of mine who I met uh, presenting in China, uh, his name is uh, Inigo Mujica. Uh, he doesn't think I can speak Spanish, but I can. Um, uh, he, he's, he's, he's from uh, the Basque country in uh, in spain so they have a, a very debonair uh dialect of, of spain and i just talk like a puerto Rican. so um but um he he has a, a book what's it called like it, it's called like uh endurance something endurance training but it's like a picture book and it has like those little white men that have very circle heads uh pic- pictographs or, or in- info infographics and it's got chapters it, it just basically goes over the entire training model but it's so easy to read because it's all within infographics. Uh, So that's the, that's the book that, that I'm reading, um, uh, for you. Um, the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to catch, I'm reading Flashpoint again, because if DC ever comes out with the next Flash movie, uh, it'll be based on Flashpoint. So I kind of want to feel that, that I'm up to date, uh, on that. Uh, and then, and then the, the, the self-help book, I, I don't have one. Uh, right now, but uh, I can I can go back in inside and go take something out of the garage and put it into play.
0: <laughs> awesome. So, um, with that, let's go off topic because there's there's some, some commonalities I know we share. There's some we don't. I've never been the the big wrestling guy. You are. um uh, love Disney, but not anywhere near to the level you are. Um, uh, favorite
1: Disney, favorite Disney ride, right now. Favorite ride, yeah, um, uh, Expedition Everest. Okay, yeah. My family and I did that nine times in one day. That's I think that's on that time of wearing this as well. I I think I have four, maybe five different Expedition Everest (laughs) t-shirts.
0: And then, and I know growing up in the same era, you have a favorite uh, late 80s, early 90s hip-hop artist. You got to pull out one old cassette CD. Which one's it going to be for for a
1: workout? Digital Underground. Okay. Well, hump it up. Kudos. That's it. Yeah. The, uh, and I I don't know if uh, if you're setting me up for this, but like a lot of people know I I can uh, and I believe he's passed away, but I can do the voice. I, uh, if I do it, people are like, oh my god! Like there's a couple. Like, I I don't say I do voices. It's just me trying to sound like somebody. But uh, I can I can do the the, the humpy hump voice. So is that, is that is that what? Are you baiting me into doing that? Wait, wait, no, okay. That
2: that this is pure. This is voluntary. And if you wanna if you wanna grace us with your singing voice? Sure, but if not, we can go to the yeah, next uh, question.
1: I have this huge smile on my face. I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but mm-hmm. let me say, like, check it out. I'm going to flip the trip and let it all hang out. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah! That's <laughs> spectacular. Yes! That's it. I don't that's know that's
2: if worth that the comes
0: price across. of admission, folks. That's worth the across. price of admission right there.
2: Nah, <laughs> all right.
1: I actually, I like I like doing that stuff because you yeah. know I, I, what I don't like is is when people judge me, especially when they don't meet me at all, and that's why you know, I'm very open with Disney and wrestling and other stuff because uh, I I don't, I don't like, uh, you know, it's it's harder for people to talk shit about somebody that uh, likes Disney, but whatever. (laughs) Well,
0: you know, as I like to say, I love to take what I do very seriously, but not take ourselves too seriously. And unfortunately, a lot of us in the business, take get that in reverse. And I'm glad you got it right, Charlie. And and I can't tell you how much we appreciate your time and, and your insight. And this has been awesome. So thank you. Cool. All right, man. Thank you guys. Once again, this has been episode number seven, along with uh, Dr. Charlie Weingroff talking about where training equals rehab. Thank you. And we'll see you in the next episode.
1: Thanks everybody.